2: Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the Packaday Podcast.
3: Yeah, it's super exciting to be back. We have been doing game recaps every Friday since the preseason started. So basically since August and it is a little weird to be previewing a game instead of talking about one that we just watched. But I'm going to be at the game on Sunday and I'm really excited to take a dive into what should be a really great matchup. Um, But I wanted to Start out on a plea to Green Bay Packers Nation. And I know many of our listeners live out of state or even in some cases out of country, but I wanted to take a moment to discuss the stadium atmosphere, which has become this hot button topic this week again, like it tends to about five or six times a year. Aaron Rodgers made the comment about fans not doing the wave while the offense is on the field. And while I know he's certainly Talking about some situations that have actually happened over the last several years, very <laughs> annoying as they are, I, I did want to say I think the stadium atmosphere gets way overtalked, right? It gets talked to death. But for those of you who will be at Lambeau on Sunday. Let's make this atmosphere a truly intimidating atmosphere for the Minnesota Vikings and for all opposing teams this season. Let's get let's get loud, preferably when the Vikings are on offense, and let's be the great fans that we say we are. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, are you saying you don't like the wave? Is that what I'm hearing you say? The wave is not the worst thing in <laughs> professional sports, but it's close.
2: Just it's a close. Close second to the horn, the Vikings horn.
3: Yeah, that's up there too. I mean, there there's worse things like Antonio Brown, but (laughs) but as far as like fan behaviors, it's it's really annoying. Okay, well, I, I appreciate you clarifying that for me. That's that's good. But absolutely,
2: you know, as Packers fans, we really do pride ourselves on being some of the best fans in sports, and I think a lot of you know a lot of organizations' fans probably feel that way. But I think Packers fans are near the top for sure and so since we claim that let's meet our own expectations here in our volume and our intensity and really give the packers that home field advantage that home teams need and covet throughout the season Um, but over the next couple weeks andrew and i will be spending our time on fridays taking a look at some of the key matchups uh, in that week's upcoming game and so when Devontae adams has a tough matchup against the top cornerback We want to highlight that. And when a defensive line faces a run-heavy offense, we want to talk about that because these are the matchups that, depending on how they go, will dictate the flow of the game and how Coach Lafleur and Coach Pettin will have to alter their game plans and adjust. And so, uh, to start, the Packers have this Minnesota Vikings team this week. And so let's go ahead and uh, let's start by taking a look at some of the matchups that the Packers' offense will have to keep an eye on this week as they prepare Mm -hmm. for this game on Sunday.
3: Well, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper than the standard answer in here, which would probably be something like Devontae Adams and Xavier Rhodes or or whatever, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind. And and my idea was the Packers interior offensive line versus the Vikings double a gap pressure. The staple of Mike Zimmer's defense has always been causing confusion by lining up multiple players across from the center. And we typically see six across the front of the offensive line, and it is up to the offense to figure out who is coming on the blitz and who will be dropping off. And then sometimes they just bring all six, and your running back has to figure out who to pick up, and your quarterback has to figure out when to do a uh, quick read if if there's nobody available to pick them up. So there are a few major factors in preventing Aaron Rodgers from spending a lot of time on the ground. First, it's not putting yourself in third and long. If the Packers can win first and second down, they're going to prevent the Vikings from being able to get to their strength on defense. The second key is pre-snap communication between Cordy Lindsley and the rest of the line and Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, when the fans are doing the wave, that <laughs> that can distract from those things, which is why it literally has an impact on the game when the fans are making noise when the team's on offense. But that means that the Packers actually have to get the play call in and be at the line of scrimmage before the play clock is running out. So again, we, we kind of go back to last week when we talked about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers needing to do a better job of getting those play calls in quickly. It also, means the fans can't be doing the wave during the middle of the off offensive possession, right? As I just <laughs> said, I said it twice because I'm serious about it, and I also just screwed up and repeated my own point. But the, the third key <laughs> is wide receivers and tight ends need to win early. So Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter and Anthony Barr and the rest of that fearsome pass rush – don't have time to win one-on-one matchups once the Packers have identified who is actually coming. And finally, Jamal Williams, uh, and I'm going to say Danny Vitale, are going to have to pick up the right player when they bring five or six. And Aaron Rodgers has to actually get rid of the ball. We know what Bakhtiari and Balaga are capable of. We saw that last week. Sunday will be a major test for Lindsley, Lane Taylor, and Billy Turner on the inside. Um, and, you know, of course, a lot of that has to do with Bakhtiari and Balaga being healthy and ready for the game. But those interior offensive linemen are going to have a ton of pressure on them to communicate well, to hand those pass rushers off, and to hold up against what is one of the better front sevens in the NFL. Yeah, we absolutely
2: hope that the uh, tackles are able to go on Sunday and be healthy out there make sure we get our best protection out there possible. But it's interesting that you mentioned the interior offensive line because Pro Football Focus actually gave out some really interesting grades, I thought, uh, to Billy Turner and Lane Taylor this week. And you can take those grades for what you want, but they're kind of a fun tool. And they give Billy Turner a great grade in run blocking and an atrocious one for his pass blocking. And then just the opposite was true for Lane Taylor. They marked him down uh, for his run blocking, but then they gave him above average marks for his pass protection. So it will be really interesting to see how this interior line plays and to see if Elton Jenkins begin to push for a little bit more playing time as the season goes on, depending on how the interior of that offense, uh, the offensive line there holds up. So uh, as Andrew said, this Vikings defensive line is gonna be a good test for this group on Sunday. Uh, But my matchup to watch on offense is Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams versus this Vikings front seven. And Andrew's already talked about the offensive line versus the defense, and that's a huge part of this running game. But the Packers couldn't get anything going last week against the Bears. And if you're an Aaron Jones fantasy owner, uh, you know just how little the Packers were able to Uh, how much they were able to do on the ground last week. It was not a lot. I own Jones in three leagues, so I was Hmm. especially disappointed. But uh, we know the running backs and the running game are a key part of this new Matt LaFleur offense. And Coach LaFleur said after the game that their inability to get things going in the run game really prevented some of their more creative offensive gameplay in Chicago. And so against the Vikings defense, and it will be no task because they are no joke, but I'm really interested to see how how the Packers scheme uh, to get things going in the running game and get these running backs involved in this game early on Sunday uh, to get that part of things going in the right direction as you want to see.
3: Yeah. And of course we know the Vikings defense is going to be a massive challenge for the Packers offense. And they, they start out with this crazy stretch of defenses, right? We have the bears, we have the Vikings, the Broncos, which is a really strong unit. And then the Eagles the week after that. So this Packers offense is going to get tested um, and they didn't meet, they they certainly didn't pass the test last week. And so we are hoping to see a better performance this week. But if you want to be positive, I have an interesting piece of recent history for you. In 2018, the Vikings defense gave up 16 points to the 49ers, and that was week one San Francisco offense with a lot of new pieces, and they gave up 38 points to the Rams. And I mentioned those two teams since Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are the two offensive play callers Matt LaFleur has likely learned the most from. So if somebody knows the vulnerability of Zimmer's scheme, perhaps they've shared that secret with their former pupil in Matt LaFleur.
2: Yeah, and Lafleur has mentioned his familiarity with Kirk Cousins from their time together in Washington, and so hopefully all of that familiarity is helpful to the Packers and to Coach Pettin this week as they prepare uh, for Cousins and company. But let's go ahead and uh, turn our attention here to the defensive side of things. Andrew, what's a matchup that you're watching on the defensive side?
3: So I said I wasn't going to pick something really obvious, and then I'm The defense, I did pick the really obvious matchup, and that is Jair Alexander versus Stefan Diggs. And in my opinion, this is going to be the difference in this game. My impression is that Alexander will face off with Diggs one-on-one, and the Packers will load up against the run. They're likely going to take a more collaborative approach in dealing with Adam Thielen and maybe Kyle Rudolph over the middle. So if Jair can limit Diggs... I think the Packers defense is going to really limit what the Vikings can do on offense. And remember that even with a lot less talent, the Packers really stifled Cousins in this offense in Lambeau last year. That that dig often gets remembered as a really strong performance for Cousins. But if you take off the Clay Matthews roughing the passer penalty, which of course was bogus, it was a really poor performance by the $84 million man. And and then you could even add an extra interception on top of it because, of course, that's how that play resulted.
2: Absolutely. And even another uh, interception that was possible if Kentrell Bryce had uh, not eased up there on that play. So, uh, you know, we'll see how Kirk Cousins fares on Sunday. But mine is also uh, a big name that I think that we expect a big game from. But I think that there are some circumstances here that definitely make that true. And uh, Kenny Clark is that guy for me versus rookie Garrett Bradbury on the Vikings. I was just gushing with praise for Kenny Clark on last week's post-game report podcast. And I think he's an absolute game changer in the middle of this defensive line. And I still think he's ascending and maybe maybe now just kind of reaching his prime. And so while Clark's season is already off to the great start that we all hoped for, it was pretty well documented that Vikings rookie center Garrett Bradbury's first game was not nearly as good. And if you follow the NFL draft and the pre-draft conversation, you know that Bradbury's best attribute is his elite athleticism, uh, which made him uh, an ideal fit for his zone running scheme, but his biggest concern was whether or not he was strong enough to hold up in the NFL against powerful defensive tackles, uh, at least until he could add some weight and strength to his frame. And this past Sunday, it sure looked like Bradbury really needed to commit to adding that strength. According to Pro Football Focus, Garrett was the second-worst center in the league last week and posted a 0.0 score in his past blocking efforts, which is as bad as it sounds. I don't know if I've ever seen a straight zero uh, rating on an offensive line. And so I fully expect Kenny Clark to have a really good day on Sunday and Pettin to maybe even send some extra rush packages through the middle of that offensive line to create more stress on Bradbury and then ultimately on Cousins. So not only is this a matchup that I am watching, but I'm going to predict that Kenny Clark maybe gets that second sack and that Blake Martinez also finds his way to a sack on Sunday.
3: So there's two different things that are running through, the, through my mind. Number one, we're talking about this offensive line and a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience and imagine their first real game on the road. If the stadium is loud, the get off that the Packers edge rushers. get. Yeah. And, and so we talk about home field advantage. And I think oftentimes you play that up for more than what it really is. I think home field advantage affects football more than really any of the other professional sports. And that is the ability for the the crowd to actually impact the offense's effectiveness in getting the snap count right for the defensive lineman getting in quickly. So, you know, I'm fully aware of of how much I am harping on this, but <laughs> it it seriously has an impact. And especially with yeah. a very young center, you can cause some penalties that way. You can cause some, some uh, distractions and and some ability for Kenny Clark to really beat up on him. The other thing that I want to talk about, the Vikings offense looked really impressive against, albeit a very <laughs> poorly played game yeah. by the, the Atlanta Falcons defense. The one thing that, that I am sort of optimistic about is that the Packers have these two edge rushers who are very good at holding their lanes and getting those tackles uh, in place so that they're not able to uh, have as much impact on some of those stretch runs. And so if they can force Delvin Cook back to the inside, that's where the Packers really have the advantage in this game.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point, and I think that that's like we talked about that on last week's podcast, that that's probably one of the biggest noticeable differences. You obviously saw a better product on the field from the defense, but one of the most noticeable differences was just the hard edge that those guys were setting. Uh, it just had a very different character to that defense in the way that— uh, you know, they were able to, to hold down that edge and uh, just just play their lane, like you said. So uh, we are going to go ahead and turn our attention here uh, to some what we're going to call X factor players. Maybe uh, somebody that doesn't immediately come to mind like an Aaron Rodgers or Devonte Adams, but someone who's going to have a great impact on this game. Uh, but we may not think of. So, Andrew, who is your X factor player
3: for Sunday against the Vikings? Can I say my MVP from last week, J.K. Scott? <laughs> he is, he, seriously, could have a really important role in this game. If if you think the Packers' offense may have some issues with another top-notch defense, field position is going to play a major role again. So, uh, J.K. Scott is definitely one. Player that you could consider an X Factor as non-glamorous as that is. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to be really important because if you want to be the Vikings through the air, you're likely going to be attacking their second quarterback, especially with the the question marks around McKinsey Alexander's health. But my actual answer for this question and my X factor is Danny Vitale. I, I think running the ball against the Vikings defense is going to be really, really important to keep them on schedule and keep them in the third and reasonable. And not only that, but Vitale might be the player counted on to be in the backfield next to Aaron Rodgers to pick up those double A gap pressures that I was talking about earlier. That's absolutely true. And
2: I think you cheated a little bit there. I think you gave us like three, you know, like a, I did, yeah. but Vitale
3: <laughs> is my actual answer.
2: Okay. All right. We'll mark it down as Vitale. Um, My x-factor this week is gonna be Blake Martinez and I know Blake is a big part of this defense So uh, maybe he's not as under the radar as this answer should be But I think his performance is gonna be huge in this one because of what he's gonna be responsible for last week And this is I wanted to double check this because it seems absolutely crazy So I apologize if this is wrong because it seems wrong, but last week the Vikings passed the ball ten times So somebody checked is that that, I was like that can't be true, right? But seriously, Kirk Cousins is getting paid $30 million a year to throw the ball 10 times. You, you do you, Minnesota. You pay your guy, you let him throw the ball 10 times. That's fine. But the Vikings ran the ball 32 times last week, and Dalvin Cook was just absolutely electric and we know that the Packers are thin at linebacker and that Blake is really the only consistent player there and it sounds like the coaches think that BJ Goodson can contribute a little bit this week Uh, so we'll see what happens there and Raven Green was awesome in his kind of linebacker safety hybrid role but Blake is the man in the middle. We know that. And how well the Packers can limit or slow down Dalvin Cook is going to be huge in this game. And with every week where we talk about how Blake is the only sure thing that we have at inside linebacker and as well as he's playing, I think that we're going to be hearing more and more about those extensions getting done sooner than later and him being a part of this team going forward because of how big of a factor he's become. And I think that we'll continue to see that on Sunday with his play and the role that he's going to have in this one.
3: And I've been pretty critical of Blake Martinez over the years. I thought he was relatively overrated, but man, he has been really impactful. And, and I think you're absolutely right. They need to start thinking about that extension before he becomes a really expensive player this this upcoming offseason but uh we have a few extra minutes today so why don't we talk about a couple of noteworthy uh, items that have come up during the day on thursday and the first is that mike pettin announced that the packers base defense is actually a 3-3-5 and not a 3-4 uh is that of note to you or are we just making too much about what an actual base defense is I mean I think it's kind of, it's interesting
2: anything that relates to the Packers is interesting so just kind of looking at the nuance of how you know a defense can take shape and like be one thing one moment and something else a little bit different the next is really interesting so I was looking in, into some info on this 335 and just trying to get a feel for it but I think it's great for what the Packers have I think the Packers using it is a good coach in Peton looking at his personnel and especially the state of the linebacker group and the state of the safety group being really good um, and making sure that he gets his best 11 guys on the field and I think the 335 gives him that opportunity. so I'm excited to see how it you know continues to take shape and which guys get on the field and um, yeah, just see what it looks like on Sunday
3: yeah, and there there's so much moving around of different players that that I wonder who is being counted in that three, three five. You know, is Raven Green considered one of the five on the back end, but he's actually playing linebacker? There's a lot of interesting things. But I have heard more and more people who really know what they're talking about when it comes to the NFL saying that it no longer matters this four, three versus three, four stuff. And I'm really coming around to that line of thinking as well, that, your personnel is your personnel. Mike Daniels never really fit in as a 3-4 down lineman, but he made it work because he was a really good football player, and that's what you need. You, you you have to kind of stop looking at the limitations of players and asking them what can you do and fitting your scheme around them. And I think the Patriots have been so far ahead of this curve that everybody else in the league is slowly catching up to it 15 to 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I, one of the things I saw when I looked up the three-three-five was that it's less about the position that you play and the role that you serve. And I think that's exactly what you were just saying, that it's like, uh, where can we put you to succeed and where can we put you that you make the biggest impact for the team? So uh, hopefully that all comes together. And that's the case for the Packers. And we see uh, a little bit more of what we saw
3: last week in this game on Sunday with this dominant defense. So the second thing that I wanted to talk about really quickly is that the news released today that Sam Darnold, the quarterback for the Jets, is going to miss approximately, well, we don't know exactly how long, but some numbers have been thrown around like a month with mono. So (laughs) here's an interesting thing. The Patriots, I just talked about them. They are the best run organization in the NFL, but the teams in their division cannot get out of their own way. Can you imagine if the Packers had six games a year against the Dolphins and the Bills and the Jets? I, I would think they'd be in the playoffs every year, too. But you you I don't know. Have you seen anything weirder than a starting quarterback? It's like super promising young quarterback missing time with mono.
2: No, I mean, we see all these crazy injuries that happen to guys, you know, they come out of school, high drafted, and then they have freak injuries and it derails their career, right? And, like, you always wonder, like, could they have gotten back on track if it wasn't for that injury? But not stuff like this. Like, you, you hate to see it for Sam Darnold that his progression is going to be slowed because of something like Mono. So, uh, hopefully, you know, all the best for Sam Darnold that he can get back out there uh, in week you know, I think they said week four or something like that, but my goodness, you're right. Like the Patriots just keep getting gifts and no one's no one's there to challenge them and it just seems like the whole AFC East is kind of a mess at this point.
3: Absolutely. And and right now I am very seriously considering building an arc to make it to Lambeau Field on Sunday because it will not stop raining in Green Bay. <laughs> it is nuts how much rain we've gotten and there's more coming tomorrow. So hopefully the drainage in Lambeau Field is as good as they say it is and the field will be ready to go on Sunday. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packet A Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packet A Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Paul. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week. And we are going to be breaking down the key matchups and X-Factors. X as the Packers head into their Week 3 matchup against the Denver Broncos. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...